Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and this podcast is about what we have learned about paracetam in the last year. And in the last year alone, there have been 30 papers published about paracetam, which is especially impressive because it's not a patented drug like modafinil. There's not the perverse financial incentive of a pharmaceutical company sponsoring the science and trying to get researchers to skew their data. So let's start by discussing the science. And oh, I'll mention, you're really going to want to check out the link below this because I created an infographic that summarizes everything I'm about to discuss. It's a really awesome infographic, maybe the best infographic I've done, yet you're gonna want to check that out and share it with other people that are interested in smart drugs and performance enhancement. Let's, let's get into the science. It would be an understatement to say that it's been thoroughly studied. In total, over a thousand pieces of published research on paracetam can be found on PubMed with over 200 human clinical trials. This article will summarize the science that's been done on paracetam in the past 12 months along with some personal insights and knowledge coming out of the biohacker community online. So you might say, you may, you may say why why 2017? What makes 2017 special? Why haven't you done this before, Jonathan? More often than not, science does not always age well. In anything related to neuroscience, which is an especially innovative domain, you should have some preference for recentness, which is a word. That's that's your new word of the day to use and sound smart. Interestingly, in 2017, 62 scientists and physicians, along with some United States senators, called upon the National Library of Medicine and the National Institute of Health to change their rules and make public the funding sources of studies. Before 2017, researchers could more or less obfuscate the funding sources of their science. And this makes science more honest. Surprisingly, American politicians every once in a while take a break from their sex scandals, virtue virtue signaling, golfing, cashing lobbyist checks, and suit shopping to do something good for science. To summarize some of the more interesting published scientific findings about paracetam in 2017, as a heroin adulterant, interesting, a interestingly, a sapienza, that's my attempt at uh, Italian accent, university, uh, sapienza, university in Rome, they collaborated with the Italian state police who do have a Lamborghini police car that I suppose a very a very lucky Italian police officer police officer gets to gets to drive every once in a while. They did a a, a, a public paper evaluating paracetam as a heroin adulterant, 
And I had to look up what an adulterant is. It means something added to a drug to make it more substantial, effective, or profitable for whoever is selling it. So think about like cocaine, think about cocaine, how a lot of times they'll add flour or uh, uh, baby powder or, or nasty things to cocaine so that the small time drug dealer can double their money from it. Apparently, mixing paracetam and heroin is quite common. To quote the Italian paper, press and internet reports indicate that the use of paracetam as a heroin adulterant has spread rapidly in some countries, especially in Asia and Europe. Its use as an adulterant is believed to produce more profound, desirable effects while decreasing hangover. Unsurprisingly, paracetam mitigates some of the negative symptoms and side effects of heroin use, the study concluded. The results of the study suggest that the combination of heroin-paracetam makes drug addicts feel more comfortable and suffer fewer side effects. There is a danger that heroin addicts might misinterpret this type of mixture as good heroin. In particular, these studies demonstrate that this mixture, even in low doses, improves heroin's reward properties and reduces its effects on the central nervous system. That, se that said, it seems that said, it seems to us that there is real potential to the combination to assist people to withdraw from heroin addiction more easily and with fewer side effects. According to the paper, it's the heroin trafficking organizations themselves that are cutting their heroin with paracetam, not the drug users. The paper suggested the traffickers developing a social conscious and that they are doing this because it makes the heroin less destructive to their customers, and I doubt that. They are probably doing it merely for economical reasons. Paracetam is a lot cheaper than heroin and probably potentiates heroin by increasing blood flow to the brain. I can just imagine that, I can also just imagine that there's some, some heroin addicts out there that will hear that paracetam and heroin are a good idea to combine together, but there are, you know, uh, lazy, idiotic heroin users, and they're not going to go and read the study at all, and so they're just going to go into their little pharmacy and say, uh, can I have uh, uh, paracetam? And then the the pharmacy employee is going to be like, oh, you want paracetamol? And they're going to be like, yeah, paracetamol. And then they'll go and cut their heroin with their paracetamol and have some bad experience with it. So don't do, don't do heroin, kids. Let's talk about prenatal alcohol abuse. A Chinese study suggested that it may address neurological damage done to babies whose idiotic mothers drink during pregnancy. In conclusion, we speculate that paracetam reduces excessive ethanol-induced neuronal damage by regulation of apoptotic action and autophagic action, and our research offers preclinical evidence for the application of paracetam in ethanol toxicity. 
And in case you're wondering, no, they did not get a bunch of Chinese babies or their mommies drunk for this study. It was done with rats. And I gotta admit, getting rats drunk, it just sounds like a little bit of fun, doesn't it? Okay, as a chimeric academic aid, a French paper calls paracetam a chimeric way to get ahead. Chimeric means something genetically or categorically alien, which is, of course, a very French way to describe performance enhancers. And the paper indicates that as much as one-third of all college students are doing some type of doping for academic performance. There appears to be an emerging profile of the student more inclined to doping behavior. Cognitive doping thus raises the question of its regulation, opening a debate opposing on one hand individual freedom and supposed collective benefits, and on the other hand health consequences, educational inequality. Inequality, man, the inequality is so, is so terrible and the risk of tarnished academic success. I'm pretty sure that French college students carry around at all times with them some literature by Karl Marx, a Starbucks soy latte, and a small white flag just in case anyone appears that they need to surrender to. Unsurprisingly, the college, the French college students saw academic doping as an unfair advantage. What about paracetam on tap? A Swiss study mentioned that paracetam has apparently been detected in drinking water there, which I find a little bit funny. It's kind of confirmatory of the stereotype of Switzerland as the world's most perfect country. You know, in other countries, they have issues with the water, with the drinking water being contaminated with things like fluoride and lead, but in Switzerland, it's paracetam. Perhaps that explains a little bit of, of uh, Switzerland's uh, success as a country. Let's talk about neuroinflammation. Paracetam has potential to aid those suffering from neuroinflammation, which is as terrible as it sounds, resulting from lipopolysaccharides. An Indian animal study concluded, the present study indicates preclinical evidence for the use of paracetam in the treatment of neuroinflammatory disorders. Verse diabetes. Egyptian and Saudi Arabian researchers collaborated on a study of 120 human subjects comparing paracetam and memantine. You may have heard before that Alzheimer's is type 3 diabetes. So if you've had too much cake, and now you don't remember your, or your grandchildren's names, paracetam will help. To quote from the study, diabetic markers were significantly decreased in diabetic Alzheimer's patients treated with anti-Alzheimer's drugs, especially paracetam. And it concludes, furthermore, the ameliorating effects of anti-Alzheimer's drugs on diabetes mellitus confirms this association. According to the study, paracetam was more effective than memantine, but memantine is, is actually kind of an interesting nootropic. I've been using it uh, myself increasingly, and I'll be releasing a, a video blog about it in the future. As a mitochondria hack, 
a Czech study out of Prague's Charles University evaluated its mitochondrial mechanism. The direct effect of cognitives and nootropics used in the treatment of Alzheimer's on mitochondrial respiration is relatively small. The safest drugs in terms of disturbing mitochondrial function appear to be paracetam. The MAOA inhibition by cognitives and nootropics may also participate in mitochondrial neuroprotection. The results support the future research aimed at measuring the effects of currently used drugs or newly synthesized drugs on mitochondrial functioning. A Tunisian study of epilepsy, which is a symptom of MRF syndrome, and this is a rare syndromic mitochondrial disorder, recommended paracetam as an anti-epileptic drug. And if you're more interested in mitochondrial hacking, I'll encourage you to check out my book review of Headstrong, which was Dave Asprey's manifesto on mitochondria. Moving on, let's chat about isochemic stroke. An Indian study expanded on its helpful effect treating ischemic stroke. Quote, there was no change in the pharmacokinetic parameters of paracetam in the ischemic stroke model except for brain protection. This indicates that variables influencing brain penetration may not be limiting factors for use of paracetam in ischemic stroke. There are over 70 scientific publications linking paracetam's helpful effect in stroke recovery and prevention. Verse tardive dyskinesia. A study out of the universe a study out of University of Pennsylvania identified it as a promising treatment for tardive dyskinesia, but it was not real specific. This is an unfortunate disease that causes odd involuntary repetitive body movements. So perhaps I'll bring some paracetam to hand out to those in need next time I go to an electronic music festival. Verse suicide. A thorough paper out of the Indiana University School of Medicine was entitled Precision Medicine for Suicidality, and it mentioned it as being helpful. Unfortunately, it doesn't give any specific protocol or use recommendations for suicidality. Paracetam is seriously underrated as an antidepressant. I've heard numerous accounts of people that found it was transformationally helpful. As a metformin adjuvant, an Indian animal study found it aided the anti-amnesiac effect of metformin, which is a drug used primarily to treat type 2 diabetes, quote, thus paracetam could be used as an adjuvant to metformin in the management of dementia in T2DM-induced encephalopathy. Verse neuronal ceroid lipofuscanosis. A genetics study of two siblings with this genetic disorder caused by excessive accumulation of lipofuscan. Ataxia and seizures were dramatically ameliorated following, following high-dose paracetam. Paracetam is effective for both seizures and ataxia. On suniferam, 
An Italian study was done on the paracetamol-like compound Sunifiram, which I am not a fan of. But these Italians seem to think that these peperzines have a lot of potential as nootropic agents. I'll mention finally paracetam as a study control. Paracetam is such a reliable enhancer of memory and cognition that a handful of studies in 2017 used it as the control in studies evaluating the nootropic effects of other supplements like quercetin and pepperine or portaluca or lacia, which was termed by some people the longevity vegetable. So maybe I'll be looking into that in the future. And I'll move on now to discussing a couple of interesting findings about paracetam that came out of the biohacker community. Because paracetam is so affordable and it's so easy to get your hands on, it's, it's used by a lot of people. And so there's a lot of people reporting their experiences with it and comparing and contrasting and sharing notes and ideas and things like that. And there were there was a couple of things that I thought would be interesting to share with you. First of all, I'm gonna mention what I term the post-paracetam intelligence deficit. Researching this article, I perused hundreds of users' reports and came across a statistically significant number of anecdotal reports of people who use paracetam for a while and then experience some kind of transformational benefits to their verbal intelligence, their long-term memory, their working memory, their mood and mental health, along with their energy and motivation. But when they discontinued use of paracetam, there was an unmistakable deficit of cognitive abilities below what their baseline was before using paracetam. And this is clearly not desirable. 10 to 15% of anecdotal reports mention this post-paracetam intelligence deficit. So it occurs in a minority of paracetam users. And I have a couple of explanations for this. In many cases, the people reporting this used paracetam at excessive dosages for extended periods of time without breaks or cycling. Also, they were not using choline, alkar, or potassium. And paracetam does exhaust your ACH system over time, which is why in the paracetam protocol, I recommended supplementing these three cofactors to nourish the delicate ACH system that paracetam really stimulates. Another commonality was histories of drug abuse and psychological instability seem to be correlated to those who report a deficiency of intelligence when they go off paracetam. So if you have a bit of a sordid mental health history, you're going to want to be extra careful and, and extra conservative with the dosing and the proper using of the cofactors that I mentioned. Also, I wanna mention poor self-knowledge or lack of mindfulness is probably somewhat to blame in some of these cases. So people go on paracetam for several weeks or months and they feel 
a whole lot better and more productive. And then they go off it and their new normal subjectively feels worse than their old normal because of, you know, this new heights of brain power and focus that they have reached thanks to the paracetam which is why I encourage people to do self-quantification studies before they go on things in the beginning of their time using a new smart drug and then afterwards so you can get some some objective information as opposed to just this kind of subjective, well, you know, I felt better, I felt better, and now I feel worse. And, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all feelings which are, are pretty uh, imprecise. There are a few edge cases, though, where it sounds like the biohackers used paracetam responsibly and yet still experienced this post-paracetam intelligence deficit. So you might be asking, if I've never used paracetam before, then I probably shouldn't use it because it might leave me stupider than I was when I eventually have to go off of it. No, the vast majority of paracetam users find that it's a quintessential smart drug that empowers productivity in the short term and their, their memory in the long term. In my case, I've gone on paracetam and off paracetam numerous times over the years, and I can confidently say that my smart drug usage has improved my baseline intelligence in every domain, even when I'm off smart drugs. And most people, the vast majority of the people that I talk to report something similar. In fact, I did some polling on longevity and also in some Facebook groups where there's like thousands of users. And I asked people, I said, what proportion of you guys think that paracetam has permanently improved your mind? versus what percentage of you just went back to your baseline when you went off of it versus what percentage of you feel like you're actually stupider now that you've gone on it and then gone off of it. And the vast, the majority of the people were saying either that it improved their mind permanently for the positive or that they just returned to baseline. However, what I suggest is that you use paracetam responsibly and that you channel some of that extra brain power it imbues into other activities that exercise your mind, like dual and back brain training, uh, mindfulness practice, reading books, language learning, or exercise. These things will improve your mind alongside the paracetam and will more than make up for any perceived or actual post paracetam intelligence deficit. If you assume that paracetam is a done-for-you wonder drug for personal development and you use it alone in extreme dosages, you may end up complaining about an intelligence deficit like some of these people on the biohacker forums. The FDA released a pharma briefing with a verdict on paracetam. It was back in 2015, but it contains some interesting material that was being discussed regarding paracetam's safety. Here's what they had to say. The available non-clinical data on paracetam have not identified any safety concerns. The lack of toxicity, mutagenicity, and Clastogenicity supports the inclusion of paracetam. 
The FDA disallows the inclusion of paracetam in nutritional supplements. Paracetam has been available for approximately 40 years and was recommended for inclusion on the list of bulk drug substances that may be used to compound drug products. As discussed above, FDA has taken enforcement action when paracetam has been sold as a nutritional supplement. The FDA verdict was generally skeptical of paracetam's benefits, which is unsurprising, of course, because paracetam is a non-patented drug that competes with branded drugs that pharmaceutical companies pay the FDA many millions of dollars to approve. Moving on, let's talk about Pramiracetam. An anonymous user of Paracetam on steroids, aka Pramiracetam, reported, I'm taking Pramiracetam every day and it's better than amphetamines and all the other nootropics I've tried so far and I've tried nearly all of them. I've had problems with speech and social fluency. Pramiracetam dials those abilities all the way up to 11. On top of this, I am also able to focus on whatever I want to in a way that's much more natural and side effect free than that provided by amphetamines. If paracetam is effective for you and you've used it for some time and you have a penchant for experimentation and don't mind dropping a little coin, it's really worth trying premaracetam and phenylparacetam, although you probably won't like the taste. What about herbal paracetam? Interestingly, some biohackers are calling the nootropic herb clausaminamide a viable natural alternative to paracetam. I'll try it and I'll let you know if the two are comparable. Let's talk about paracetam stacks. A paper suggested combining paracetam with ginkgo biloba for enhancing working memory and cognition. Even though some Reddit users report mixed results from this, I think it's well worth trying. A longevity user spoke in really glowing terms of a combination of galantamine, paracetam, creatine, and lion's mane. And it's making me feel amazing. Why would this be? My focus is much better. I may be imagining things, but smells are more emotionally significant. I am feeling a sort of childhood nostalgia kind of feeling. And then I have the uh, dosing for that stack on the article that is attached to this. A long-term sufferer of brain fog recommended a brain fog buster stack of schisandra extract, holy basil, B vitamin complex, and vitamin D3 taken intermittently with paracetam and a choline source. Quote, I feel more conscious about everything. It even enhances my meditation practice. My vision is more alive, edges look sharper, colors more intense. I can simply enjoy being in the moment. And my verbal fluency is way up as well. Less anxiety and less depression as a verbal intelligence enhancer. One of the most notable and conspicuous effects of paracetam is enhanced verbal intelligence. One user reported, in particular, I liked the ability it gave me to have multiple trains of thought going simultaneously. It made multitasking really easy. 
and I remember a very funny moment from one of my earliest times with Paracetam. I was at a friend's house and then there were a whole bunch of people there. I started a conversation with my friend and then another friend asked me something and a third person said something to me shortly after. From that moment on, I started having simultaneous conversations with all three people and it didn't get confusing at all. Normally, if someone interrupts me in a conversation, I completely lose my train of thought, but here I was able to juggle three entirely different subjects and converse about them all at once with three different people. On chasing paracetam with coffee, powdered paracetam has an infamously bad taste. I would always wash my paracetam down with chilled green tea and grimace at the taste. Some biohackers have suggested that coffee covers its taste effectively. Worth trying, I say, if you like coffee. On psychedelics, a number of forum threads are about combining paracetam with various psychedelics and narcotics like LSD and MDMA. Apparently, this results in some pretty awesome trips and rolls. I found almost no re reports of this causing overdoses or bad experiences. So if you use those kinds of recreational drugs, it's worth trying. Please just use a low dose of both drugs. I did ayahuasca a few years ago and I had been using paracetam at the time and wondered if there would be an interesting interaction, but unfortunately it was totally underwhelming. Speaking of underwhelming, I'll mention here for people that are underwhelmed by paracetam, a handful of biohackers reminded us that paracetam's really awesome effects can sometimes take weeks or months to become apparent. And a lot of times it's a good idea to decrease dosage after a while. Quote, I've been taking paracetam for months and it has greatly reduced the amount of sleep I need. I'm down to as little as just over five hours, which is actually a little concerning. However, I feel well rested and no signs of fatigue or either of fatigue, either mental or physical. I haven't gained the verbal fluency that I achieved when I took it years ago though, but I do agree that paracetam should be taken for months to realize its effects. A long-term self-tinkerer reported that ketamine use unlocked paracetam for them. Ketamine, which I have found no correlation to reversing paracetam tolerance online, seems to have brought back for the first time some of the magic of paracetam that I experienced five years ago. It has been working again for the past 10 days now. My pupils no longer fluctuate under the pupil dilation light test. I don't know enough about ketamine to recommend this to anyone, but I thought this was an interesting case. I'd venture that ketamine affects the adenosine hormonal mechanism that can block paracetam's effects, which I discuss in the paracetam protocol. Okay, uh, about negative side effects. 
Perusing the forums, I came across a few negative reports of users that found paracetam really helpful for an initial period and then had problems with it. Consistently, these users did not combine it with a choline source, sufficient potassium, or alcar. If you want to use paracetam right, again, please follow the paracetam protocol. And finally, it's important to note that paracetam changes your personality. Veteran biohackers or those close to them will admit that long-term paracetam usage does change your personality. Amongst the anecdotal reports, a lot of people report that it makes them more cocky and egocentric. If you've long been the nice guy or the nice gal that people disregarded, paracetam may inject a quantum of psychopathy into your personality that makes you a bit more functional in a cynical, unfair world. And I'll actually end this podcast by reading the, the poetic words of a biohacker that captures just, just this, just this quantum of psychopathy. And this guy did 24 grams, which is that's way too much. Here's what he had to say. I upped my dose to 24 grams per day since last night. The level of power is almost too much to bear. It is time to change the world. I will grip it with my own hands and squeeze it, tear it, turn it, pound it until it becomes my image. The eternities within the creation cycle will hear my voice. Death is coming soon, but not just yet. I want more power until there is no end, and then I will turn it to use. It is almost time for me to become the tool of the silent voice and the hand of God. Being so close to the edge is frustrating. I must count the heartbeats. Timing, timing is everything. A new game of chess, one that I will win no matter how the opponent moves. But for now, I will wait. Patience, the shine behind my eyes continues to grow. I am becoming something else, a mirror of the active side of infinity, a dangerous thing indeed. Last night, I was smashing the skulls of cats. They didn't put up much of a fight either. The night before, I killed dozens of people and other creatures. The first time they all lost to me, and there was no fear, only the joy of reaping. Legal Notices If you or someone you know developed or created a concept, piece of content, or idea shared on this show, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com so we can mention them in the show notes or provide a backlink. We want to give credit where credit is due. As a listener to the Limitless Mindset podcast, we hope you have and practice common sense. However, since some of the content covered in this show deals with subjects of a health legal, or business nature, this show is for entertainment 
purposes. If you need recommendations of doctors, nutritionists, or attorneys to consult before making decisions that may have health or legal repercussions, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com.